Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. It is so good to be here. I have not been on the show in, I think, two months. Honestly, it doesn't feel like I've been on the show for, for two months with, with all that's been going on. Like I have completely lost track of like what is going up when. Uh, it's been, it has been a hectic couple months. Hasn't and we've it been, been doing a crazy a lot of... summer? It has just been absolutely intense. I mean, it's been intense for me for work, but I mean, it's, it just feels like everything is going on all of a sudden for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, we, we've done a lot of like ad hoc episodes and I, I totally hadn't clocked that like we hadn't been on a podcast together in like ages. Uh, so it's, it, it's good, to, good to finally be back together. Uh, we also welcome back our buccaneering freelancing friend, Fraser Brown. Yar! I'm very happy to be in this love-in between you two guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's fifth wheel Fraser, that's, that's what we call you. Uh, anyway... Uh, so last month, our Patreon backers voted on a Sid Meier-related topic and decided that they wanted us to finally address Sid Meier's Pirates, the game of trade, colonial warfare, ship-to-ship combat, and, of course, formal dance. Uh, <laughs> Troy, like, I missed... So, like, Sid Meier's Pirates, the original one, not the 2004 remake, was mm-hmm. one of those games that, as I was starting to become cognizant of PC gaming was referred to constantly. It was like a, it was like a seminal work. It was really important. Uh, it was a touchstone for a lot of like trade and exploration and combat games that, that came out in, in the, uh, you know, in, in the early nineties, but I never played it and I never really sort of, uh, like learned what it was or, or how it stood out in, in its context. Uh, can you take us a little, take us back in time, uh, to the original Sid Meier's Pirates and like, what, what was that game about and, and what made it stand out, uh, for its era? I mean, I've been thinking a lot about Sid Meier's Pirates in the last couple of months. The game just keeps, you know, popping up in conversations. Um, uh, a while ago, I remember that the the old cin- Cinemaware was bought by somebody, and that made news for a bit. And I made the offhand comment that Defenders of the Crown uh, is a crap game. It is terrible, terrible game, bad gameplay, bad setup, and it's criminally boring. And I raised this conversation on my Twitter feed over what was the first game to have mini games in it and i think it was defender of the crown that it was depending how you define mini games you know it had this grand objective but in between you had all these other little things to do you siege a castle game which was different from the jousting game which was different from in some versions of the defender of the crown a tactical battle game all very different if you had that's you define mini games that was it but it was pointed out to me that the first game to do mini games right was Sid Meier's Pirates. It is a game that has, as you said, is land combat, a tactical battle uh, system. Uh, it was very, very rudimentary battles uh, in uh, the original game, certainly not compared to the 2K remix. It had sword fighting. It had ship-to-ship combat. Um, in between this, general, traditional, or it could be seen as a traditional trading game. It's built a lot like a trading game. You ship, You move your ship from one port to the next, and you trade goods. You could do, there were a lot of these merchant games uh, in the 80s. A lot of them were text. Um, they weren't always about boats. Sometimes they were about trains. But if you pick up goods and you sell them, the difference is in pirates, you didn't just have to, you didn't have to buy the goods. You could steal them. You could hijack them uh, from other ships and then just sell them and make your money. Uh, but pirates was, it's in many ways, it is the typical Sid Meier game. And I think it is the Sid Meier game that sets, that makes him Sid Meier. Uh, because it's not about historical pirates in the same way that civilization isn't about history. Um, 
it is Samaritan Pirates is about pirate movies. It is about Captain Blood. It's about you know Errol Flynn. It's about um, Treasure Island. You know, looking for buried treasure and stopping ships. It's all about pirate books, adventure books, boys' own adventure type things. You know, swashbuckling serial movies. Uh, that's kind of what it is. In the same way that Civilization is a game about the timeline of history, but not really about history. It's about, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. You set the little path, and you get your new phalanxes, and they sink your battleships, and everything works so perfectly historical. Um, it is, I think, the game where, it is, the, I think, the first Meyer, big, first big Meyer game um, that is that moves away from simulation. Um, into something a little bit lighter. Before that, we had a Railroad Tycoon. I think it was Railroad Tycoon before Pirates? Or yeah, after. And at this point, Pirates Sid was, was also 87. doing... And at this point, he was also doing, like, you know, it, it sort it was of after, the, outside yeah. of his career, he was another microprose designer, right? Turning out, yeah. like, military sims. Like, well, um, this, is a, this is a microprose game. Before that, before yeah. Pirates, he was he was the flight sim guy. He did, you know, F-19 Stealth Fighter and Strike Eagle and all of these other great, amazing flight simulators. Um, very detailed, very well, very accurate. And then he goes into uh, things that are a little bit... And then you know, Tycoon is after... Real Tycoon is after um, Pirates, and I think it's kind of a bridge title there. But yeah, then it's like we, three years after. Yeah, uh, but it, it's between Pirates and Civilization, and it has kind of these elements of... Um, both simulation and also let's just run the trains and see how they go. Uh, I, th- I think Pirates is a game that makes Sid Meier. Sid Meier. It's the first game that has his name at the top. It's Sid Meier's Pirates. Um, it is, I think, the game that has his mantra of interesting decisions, a game of a series of interesting decisions, which I think is a terrible, uh, vague, tautological mantra, but if you were to take that in good faith, that is a game that has, do I attack? And like, and like you look at the 2K version, the 2K version, you know, you have, you see the ships, uh, I think we're familiar with the, the remake. You sail your boat and you see all the boats sailing around you. And, you know, there are decisions, which way do I go? Where are the winds? Which boats do I move to? Those are a little more stark in the original game and in the Pirate's Gold uh, re-release in that you move your ship in a direction and then you get kind of a little menu. Sails are spotted on the horizon. Here is what you see. Do you attack or do you not? And it's framed as a decision. Now, in the remake, you're making these decisions in real time. You're not given a splash screen, do I do this? You steer towards the ship you want to attack. But you're given this choice. And I think this is... In the flight sims generally don't have a lot of choices. You're given a mission to perform and you succeed or fail on the mission. But Pirates is a game about decisions. Um, it's about decisions in a lot of very different aspects. You know, when do you when do you pull into port and divide your plunder? Uh, which country do you choose? Um, playing Spanish in the late 1500s is very different from playing a Spanish pirate in the mid 1600s. Uh, there's quite a great difference in power. Uh, who do you attack? Um, who do you trust? Uh, when do you retire for a bit, split your plunder so your people are happy? Uh, what do you upgrade? When do you do it? When do you go to a land attack? There are, And it is also a game that I think has a lot like Railroad Tycoon, which we talked about um, many, many years ago. It is a game that evolves on its own. Like in Railroad Tycoon, the cities evolve depending on where the goods go. In Pirates, 
the cities will develop ahistorically on their own, whether you visit them or not. Uh, you know, a small town could turn into a bustling city over the course of a game, or it could just get raided by pirates and never grow at all. Um, so it has this virtual world aspect to it that I think makes it really stand out, um, even today, uh, the original. There are so few games from that era that really had got that virtual world aspect well, and even though it doesn't happen on screen in the same glorious, obvious scale that it does in the remake, it is happening and it is going on. And that really separates Pirates, I think, as really, I would argue, one of the most important uh, PC games of the mid-80s. And it added this kind of RPG feel as well, which kind of was continued in covert action, which is also fantastic. Um, and instead of playing a country or a company, you're an individual going on your little adventures um, and grow and growing old as well, mm. um, working your way up from, you know, one little sloop all the way to like retiring as like this great king's advisor right. or whatever. Um, it was it was brilliant to kind of go through the history of this character. And there's also incredible risks for your character. You know, you can, if you if a mission fails and you get captured, you're in prison for a year, two years. That's taken off your life. You're just sitting there watching the months tick by. There's a risk to doing to making a mistake uh, that cuts that takes away from your game time. Um, a lot of people, I suspect, just reloaded a save. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to iron man it, um, there's your your choices do have consequences beyond okay. I lost a few men. I guess I got to go to the bar and hire a new crew. Well, you do got to do that, but first you've got to get out of prison, and who knows how long you'll be there. This is so the thing about aging uh, brings up another way this game sort of stands out for me. Uh, which is that when I, when I started playing it, uh, so I started like the first time I encountered uh, the the 2004 re- remake. Uh, I was I was sort of in like my my mid twenties, sort of on the on the on the cusp of my late twenties, right? And that's what, that's that's an age, right, where you start to feel like you're not old, but you are suddenly aware that there's a few things that are just a little bit harder uh, than they were when you were like 19, right, or or when you were 21. Uh, you, usually the, the canary in my coal mine was that like hangovers were worse all of a sudden, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, but I'm, so I'm playing this game and it's this game where as time goes by, in some ways your character is improving. Uh, first of all, you're becoming a better player, but also you've got more assets and resources and tools at your disposal, but your character is also aging and as your character ages, uh, your your pirate becomes a little bit less capable. It happens. It happens slowly, and it happens subtly. But like when you're a sixty year old pirate or whatever, you can definitely tell that like you are suddenly playing at a disadvantage. You might have a ton of material advantages because you're you're this like pirate uh, grande, but you're no longer a young man. And it turns out swashbuckling is a young man's game. And it becomes harder and harder to sort of win the encounters you need to sort of progress along the um, sort of the, the narrative and career milestone uh, track that the game lays out for you. And I found that, uh, well, my, my reaction to it was twofold. One, I had a very like uh, a visceral, like just emotional reaction, which is like it was this game that really sort of confronts you with the reality of aging and the reality of like the, the, the processes of mortality. 
And it sort of hit me right at a time when I was sort of becoming a little bit cognizant of it uh, with regard to like, you know, my own, my own life. Uh, but it was, it was weird to encounter it in a game. Related to that, I also just found it really interesting that there was this game where, well, most games, like, you follow a pretty linear power curve. Like, most games don't have a trade-off. If you're, if you're doing well, if you're getting better, then you're just getting stronger. And there is no, there is no undertow, really, pushing against that. You've just, you, you just got more stuff. You've got more capability. And here was a game uh, that was saying, well, no. Like, you actually have some advantages when you're young and you're scrappy and you're starting out with nothing. And you get other advantages as you age and, like, level up but they don't entirely bring back what you had at the start. And I thought that was a really interesting, like I still can't name a lot of games outside say like sports game career modes that really address something like that, right? That there's this, that there's this tension between like where someone is in their career, in, in, their, in the arc of their vocation versus like their own physical capacity to follow that vocation. And that I think still seems pretty unique to me. It was, and I think one thing it kind of did to mitigate against that is that, you know, as you say, you got more capacity, more material capacity. But so you, you actually, the, the sword fighting becomes less, less, uh, much less important because you are a pirate grandee. You are this great power, but now you have the capacity to sack cities, which is, you know, a mental game. It's all tactical combat. There's no physical fight there really it's all about where do you put your troops where do you move them um can you defeat the enemy um so you become this general you're not a swashbuckler anymore you are a raider you're a soldier uh you're kind of this general type so the game does move you kind of away from the because swashbuckling is a young man's game as you say it is something that there's no point because you do slow down a little bit you use that wealth to buy the biggest baddest ship you can fill it with, you know, pirates and just capture Caracas and Havana and all of these grand cities because now you're a general. Now this is this is the game you play. You're, you've survived to the point where you've already done all the little person stuff. You've made your name uh, taking boats. Now you're taking colonies. So the game does make this not just shift in age, but the shift in age also reflects, I think, a shift in what the optimal tactics are for you at that age. I think it still encourages you, though, to, to go out and relive those great swashbuckling moments. Oh, of course, because it's so much fun. Yeah, and I mean, not just that, but like the longer you leave some of the great pirate captains around for, the yep. wealthier they yeah. are. Yeah. So you, you, you're you like, okay, I could go and take him out now, or I could wait a few years when he's filthy, stinking rich, and then kill him right. and steal all of his loot. And now I'm suddenly, well, I'm older, but I'm richer than I would have been if I'd done this a couple of years right. ago. So did the uh, did the original game? So because the remake follows this arc of, in addition to trying to become like uh, the most successful pirate on the Spanish main, uh, the remake also follows this arc of at the start of the game, like your family is basically imprisoned by a corrupt uh, like Spanish lord. Uh, yeah, Montalban. that's the same in the original. Okay, because uh, the 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 reason the aging really hit me hard in in uh, the the remake was that. Montalban has all these lieutenants and you sort of have to go and collect, you sort of re reclaim all your family members who were, who were stolen uh, at the start of the game. And there's 
but he had a big freaking family. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, maybe maybe too big, but so there's all these there's all these like captains you have to go take out and defeat uh, in order to get your family back, and a lot of them it takes a while for you really before you're really ready to face them. But then you're facing them in these sword fights, and you're like, well, shit, I could have I could have kicked this guy's butt when I was when my pirate was like 26. But now he's, you know, on the other side of 50 and this fight is like almost impossible. And I've got like four more captains to go. Uh, and so that was, yeah. that was the thing is like, I, like there were places I felt definitely felt a little cornered into like playing that swashbuckling game. Uh, and I was like, well, uh Oh, I like, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess sister and Papa uh, are just out of luck. Cause if I keep trying to win these fights, eventually I'm gonna end up in prison or dead. I do think that the whole story of of pirates is at odds with the game itself um mm. whenever i was hunting down my family and being this kind of sympathetic hero just trying to get his mum and dad and all that back i was like no i'm i'm a badass captain who's gone around getting in epic errol flynn style sword fights and like taking on cities besieging them i'm not some you know, stay-at-home dad or something who just wants to find his kids. Um, I just want my kids back. (laughs) It's just really strange, and it detracts, I think, from the swashbuckling and the the kind of fantasy of playing this dastardly, badass pirate who kind of rules the high seas. And it's just, there's not actually much story there. It's like Montebank is an asshole. And has captured your family, and, and you that's just sort kind of have of to it. check them off. Like, there's not even really like a reunion scene. Like, no. there's not like there's no real payoff. It's just like, yep, all right, mom's off the list. All right, now where's your where's your little brother? Oh, he's on that ship. Uh, Troy, what do you make of what do you make of this? Like, like we haven't you didn't touch much on I, the the narrative aspect. Well, I mean, the narrative aspect. I mean, it wasn't really played out that much in the original that I recall. Uh, but it's been so long uh, since I've played the the eighty seven version. But I mean, in the in the two thousand four version, yeah, there is this. You're you're the pirate with a heart of gold. I mean, okay, this is about pirate movies, and in all pirate movies, you're shown the pirate's actually a good guy. You know, even Long John Silver, he's a bad guy, but boy, does he love that Jim Hawkins. Isn't that kind of sweet? Uh, it's kind of weird if you think about it now, but actually, you know, that's he's <laughs> but really we loves, hadn't invented subtext back then. He so really it was loves fine. he loves that kid. Um, so it is. So you know, I don't. It's kind of squeezed in there. Um, but I mean, that's kind of one of the other mini games that they introduce uh, in that version. In that you'll have to, that you're given you know pieces of maps to say, hey, hey, your family is on, is by a dead tree somewhere near a skull rock somewhere in the Caribbean. Have fun. Um, so it turns into this: Can you read maps? Can you recognize uh, landmarks? Um, are you walking in the wrong in the right direction for so long? Because you can't walk too long, your crew will get angry and they'll starve to death and lose water. Uh, it's so you you'll get lost if you've got a bad sense of direction, like I do. If you walk too far inland, so it's a way to introduce yet another little mini game. Um, and yeah, I just think it, I think it just ties into the you you are the hero and you're a good. I don't think every I think. It plays into, I think, a lot of this you know, legend of pirates is not necessarily really bad people, but people who got a bad break in life, or you know, they're the they were mutiny they mutinied against a bad captain and had to become outlaws. It's the Robin Hood story of pirates. You read about pirates as the first real democracies because they voted on their captains, and 
yeah, they raped and pillaged and all this other stuff too. And most of them didn't have careers longer than three years, but no matter. Um, that, you know, I, I think it, because it does tie into the whole movie aspect and does give you, as you say, Rob, more motivation to go out there and uh, cross sabers with dastardly captains and swing on ropes and do all of these movie actions. It's it's a mode. I, I, I never took the story all that seriously. I really didn't care that much about my sister who I'd never met. Because that's what it comes down to. You're told your family's taken, but you've never seen these people in this game. You've got no connection to them beyond being told, hey, your sister's stuck in a cabin somewhere near a hanging rock. Thanks, map. Um, uh, and that's not a, I don't care because, you know, Captain Kidd's over there and he's the next one on the, he's the, next one on the list to get tracked down and killed. It's very much a classic video game approach to motivation, right? Are you yeah. a bad enough dude to get your family back? Like, that's yeah. that's kind of how it is, and you can either take that or leave that. Yeah. I, I, the good I, thing is you can ignore it. Yeah. Well, you know, you because the end of the game isn't just like you've rescued your entire family. It's also it's retiring with um with a title, land, a beautiful wife who is the governor's daughter and more loot than you could possibly know what to do with. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Um, the, marrying the beautiful daughter. I always liked how they did, in, especially in the 2004 remake, the beautiful one is the one showing the most boob. <laughs> when you see the dance sequences and everyone's kind of dressed fairly conservatively and wearing like big wigs, but then you've got the beautiful daughter and it's just boobs. Uh, mm. It's very distracting. They call but you could also seduce plain daughters you could as well there's there's a scale yeah um which is quite funny but uh maybe a little bit sexist i guess <laughs> just, I mean, just a little bit but historically just a, just a accurate <laughs> yes yeah that was that's always amusing yeah i i i, kind of, I mean i i never pay much attention to the family story because it's not an interesting family story if, if there if i'm if my sister's on the way to somewhere else i guess i'll rescue her that's pretty much what it came down to for me. <laughs> I'm not going to go out of my way I am, to rescue I'm, I'm, my I'm not going to take a detour to Trinidad when I'm too busy ripping up Florida. This is actually something else that uh, I really enjoy about this game, which is that you really do live and die by the trade winds. And if you, because if you just start thinking like, if if you just think in terms of like, okay, I need to go from point A to point B and and do these things uh, in in this in this order, and ignore wind, uh, you're going to be the least like you're going to lose so much time and you're going to get old uh, tacking before the wind basically. Uh, so like I, I enjoy how much of the game like sort of forces you to make these. It, it, to agree, it's all. I think it's also forcing you to play other parts of the game. Uh, but the way the way it ends up working is that you you sort of start making these like regular circuits uh, yep. through the through the map, and sort of trying to conceive of like it's about maximizing efficiency, right? You've got all these things you want to deal with. You want like you want to execute this trade. You want to track down this captain. You want you think you might have an idea where this treasure is. It's all the way out there in like the Yucatan Peninsula. You can maybe check that out. All this stuff is going down. And you're sort of always, you're, you're constantly thinking like, okay, what is the smoothest way I can do this uh, using the winds to my advantage without like ever stopping? Because if you ever have to go, if you ever have to backtrack, you're totally screwed. You're better off just going around. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. The way you sort of like, 
the map is at once an obstacle, but also your best ally. Is there anything worse than getting rumors of a Spanish gold ship when the winds will not cooperate oh. in time? It's like, it's like, oh, no, this is not the best time for me to hear about a ship. Always I find enough. that it does strike this kind of balance between trying to kind of simulate the problems with sailing and dealing with the wind, and then when you actually get into the combat, you can be just extraordinarily nimble. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it, it, gets, it becomes very arcadey, and you're still at the mercy of, of, of the wind and your ship as well, um, and what ship you're actually fighting with. But it's, it's still, it doesn't move like a ship or fire like a ship. Um, and is generally kind of just easier to control. Uh, so yeah, I think it strikes that balance between making you feel like you are going on this naval adventure, but also still feeling like a game. They all kind of fight like war galleys. Age, age of Sail battle games are always bad anyway, so you might as well make them arcade because no one really wants to know what a top sail is. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> But do you want to play that stuff? Uh, that's, well, that's, that's, that's a good question. Because Naval Action does it, and I kind of got pretty hooked on that, to be honest. Na- but even Naval I have Action not tried makes that. Some, even Naval Action makes some pretty serious compromises. Not, not oh, so much sure. necessarily with the physics, but like Naval Action really doesn't want you bothering too much with like which exact sails are going up. Like it's like, do you want but more sails or less? But you get bigger ships and get into tougher battles, that becomes like a necessity. You yeah. really do have to deal with the the minute details of your sails. And okay, so I was mostly oh, so sorry to detour this. Uh, so I mostly was like playing lower level ships, but like uh, the way I was seeing was like full sail, half sail, no sail it was basically the the thing I would do. And then you could you could change the angle of the booms uh, yeah. to change the angle to the wind. But like on bigger ships, do you get more like granular oh, yeah. sail? Like oh yeah. Can you like put um, out your studding sails and, and so when you're dealing with like when you've got a ship where it's like you've got three sails the the three masts it, it becomes just so much more complicated mm. and you really if you're if you want to have that you, you can have that fine control over your ship and it's actually necessary when dealing with the more difficult battles and dealing with other ships that are of that scale as well okay. um, and that's what I got into um, that's that's music in my ears <laughs> it's perfect for the obsessive. Yeah. Well, so, so now we're talking about ships. Let's talk a bit about the, the the ship types in pirates, because that's sometimes a very interesting choice, especially in the remake, where you have you can pay for upgrades to your ship, and you could in the original as well. But they're kind of, I think they're more neatly not abstracted, but they're more distinct. I think uh, in the remake, uh, what's better, a fully upgraded frigate or a fresh war galleon? I always because they, want the frigate. Every... <laughs> no matter what circumstances. Nope, pretty much like I was like the frigate for me was the most capable fighter. Uh I like I felt like I was lumbering around in that galleon. And yeah, even though it was bigger, it was kind of the um it was it was kind of like the do, do you want to fly the tie interceptor or the tie bomber uh dilemma? I'll take the <laughs> interceptor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to to agree with you there. It, it just feels better to play when you're in a nimble ship. But 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 if if you're, if you're carrying an army though, you want that war galleon. Yeah, yeah, and that like and that was the thing. I started like I definitely like I was more comfortable sailing around in a frigate. Yeah. But I definitely like got the feeling that really the the key to like really high level play 
was like getting with that war galleon and making that relationship work because uh, that was what really enabled uh, a lot of the big power moves late in the game right like it just enabled more trading uh you know bigger attacks um you know it was, it was sort of a ship for the stage in the game where maybe you weren't supposed to be staking everything right on uh on, on a buccaneering boarding action okay so question number two why do they bother having merchant systems where you can buy goods and sell goods when nobody does it because there's not really like a properly simulated economy i mean yeah why would really? i yeah why would uh, i so why would i buy sugar someplace and sell it somewhere why would i why would i role play being a merchant in a game where there's really nothing for a merchant to do beyond you know carry the stuff back and well, forth okay i, I mean I, I think part of it that system just exists so that you can sell your pirate loot well, yeah, um, yeah, but you, but you can always, but you can you can have something where you can sell your pirate loot, but where where I could where I could buy the stuff and then sell it somewhere else. So why would I want to buy sugar? Oh, there, and then there sell some, it somewhere. Like, else. You can kind of make a kill. So it's 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 interesting. Like I think once you figure out the way the game economy really works, mm-hmm. which is that just pirate the hell out of everything you possibly can. <laughs> uh, you know, go capture those, uh, those treasure fleets, go, go take on those enemy, those other pirates. Uh, the stuff you can earn doing that, like dwarfs anything you can make legitimately, yeah. uh, which is maybe part of the point. Maybe that's another reason the system is in the game. It shows you like, look, you could play it straight, but you're a sucker if you do. Uh, but at least early on, um, there are ways you can you can sort of make a killing. Like there's there's some trade routes that are are pretty reliably profitable. And if you're going all the way out to you know the eastern islands um, anyway for some other stuff, and you got room in your hold, why not like buy the really cheap good that you'll be able to sell at like quintuple the value uh, when you get there. It's not it's not the worst idea. the 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 problem is that. Once you sort of understand how your economy is supposed to work, not necessarily the game world economy, mm. but but your economy as a pirate, um, it does sort of feel useless. But at the same, like I, I felt like it was a useful thing to have there at the start, and it kind of gave some direction to what I would do with my plunder. All right, I think there might be an element of that. It's all there's an expectation there that if you have a game where you are in a ship, then you can trade, and it's it's as simple as that. There. When you play those games, that's exactly what you expect to find, even if it's not exactly the most compelling part of the game. I mean, Troy, like, like, what's your, what's your theory on that? Do you think it do you, does its existence offend you? It's just there, it <laughs> kind of does offend me in that it's there, but there's nothing to do with it beyond. I mean, you can set up. Because you can have you know setup markets where oh this good is that you've looted is more valuable in one port or another. You can have all of that without having to have some pretense of you can be a civilian merchant and have fun because you cannot. Um, there no there are no systems based around it. You can't rise through the ranks of civil society being a merchant. You can only become you know get promotions and get access to the really sexy boob daughters if you are a pirate. Oh you know there's no. <laughs> There's no way for a civilian to advance in the game. Um, it's called Sid Meier's Pirates, yeah, not Sid Meier's Merchant. Yeah, this so. is it's, it's Sid Meier's Port Royale, uh, which is you know a decent uh, mercantile sim, but also has war, it is a mercantile sim with military elements. Here, it's a pirate movie, and you know no one no one wants to see Errol Flynn 
go into a port and buy, mol- and buy, buy molasses. That'd be a great uh, scene, like Aeroflin, like <laughs> swinging from a rope onto like a wharf with a ledger, <laughs> just like <laughs> conducting a really savvy trade deal and swinging back <laughs> onto his ship. Sid Meier's cogs. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's just, I, I always wondered why they had it at all. I mean, I, it's just so it's so curious that you would have this very it doesn't offend me it's not a huge problem but it is a part of the game that you can do for no reason at all and maybe there are pacifists there maybe there are those people you know you know there are those flight simulator people who will fly a plane in real time across the atlantic maybe this is for them (laughs) they just want to be a 1620 merchant hauling goods around and trying to avoid pirates, not, not actually fight them. Um, maybe that's what it's about. I guess if you get attacked by pirates, you can then fight back. Um, but then you see how much fun the pirate stuff is, so you're not going to be a merchant for very long. I, I just think it's a curious thing. It always kind of made me wonder why they even bothered. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's probably too hard to take out, and it's not doing any problems to the rest of the system. But you know, why am I buying goods when I can just steal them? So the the things that I always uh, the thing I always ran into trouble with was the uh, sneaking, the stealth game. Oh God, uh, yes. When you would when you would infiltrate enemy town, like to the point where I disliked it so much, like because like like every third time I played that, I ended up in freaking prison uh, yeah. by the end of it. So I was just like, well avoid that mini game uh but like this i mean this is the thing with like with, with games that are kind of built on a collection of mini games mm-hmm. um it can be difficult to to make them fit together and, and i'm curious like what you guys ended up doing with the uh with the, with the stealth stealth stuff like did you i curse so did both of you play the whole game or did you sort of pick and choose I, so I, I i played the whole thing but i felt that i i wish i hadn't because there, that's the thing is, I'd say about like fifty percent of the mini games aren't good. Uh, like even the stuff that I actually now look look back fondly on, like the ballroom dancing, is terrible. Um, and it just it's it's so silly and frustrating. You're this pirate, and you're spending like all of this time just watching a lady's dainty hand point in the right direction, so you know where to move during in this kind of ridiculous dance just so you can seduce her get some information and maybe marry her in the end because of a dance uh so it's not just the the stealth portions but i do look back at some of them with fondness because they were so silly and outlandish and it's i think it's not just like uh like simulating a a film of of being a pirate but it's like it's more like a cartoon Mm -hmm. because it is a little bit absurd the stealth game is the worst. It is absolutely the worst. And I would, I like you, I would avoid it whenever possible. Um, which is not always possible, but I would avoid it uh, at all costs because, oh my God, creeping around that town, avoiding soldiers with lanterns. And here I am taking out world-renowned pirates and I can't, you know, fight a couple of henchmen. Come on. Uh, I just, it just didn't work. It was, I think, I, yeah, right, an excuse to stick in another mini game. Um, and stealth is one of those things that games that are built around stealth don't always do right. So to stick a stealth mini game and again, right. it's not about stealth. Um, it's kind of weird. Now I liked the ballroom dancing. I thought it was fun, especially the high difficulty levels where the gestures are very subtle 
and you also listen to the music as well as where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, I used to count. That's what yeah, I would always you would, do. I'd I, count. I would bring all my ballroom dancing skills from real life to bear uh, in that game and try to count <laughs> the steps. And just like real life, I'd step and trip over my own feet. It was so realistic. Uh, and I, I really liked the ballroom dancing aspect. I, it's, I, I wouldn't want to do it all the time. Um, so I'd only go when I was visiting, you know, an important governor and the daughter was okay looking um, and had valuable information. The, 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 so the, game, superficial. The, the game encourages objectification. Your score is better <laughs> if you get a beautiful wife. That is just how weird uh, these games are. Um, and it's... So I, I like the ballroom, the ballroom dancing. I, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on the land battle one, though, uh, which wasn't a bad tactical game, but it also wasn't a good tactical game. Rob, did you play many of the land battles? Did you raid and sack cities? Yeah, not too much, because I generally found, like... In general, I, I found I preferred just, like, dealing with the map as it was rather than sort of trying to redraw the geographic boundaries of it. Um, I just... I, I found it... I found it a little bit, a little bit clunky, a little bit, um, a little bit crude uh, mm-hmm. in, in in the in, in the way it operated. Um, like, I'd be really interested to see it remade today, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if you could, if you could slam some sort of XCOM type thing into that, uh, or or something, it'd be, I'd be, I'd be very intrigued. Uh, but at, at the time, like the way the land warfare worked, it just felt like. It felt like here's the weird thing. Like so, the ship to ship combat feels like it's part of the core game. Like to me, it doesn't mm-hmm. even like really read as a mini game. Like oh, right. it, it, it's pirates. The land warfare, I am. Yeah, the land warfare, I am whisked into something that feels like it's a calculator game. It's kind of the ultimate abstraction of what a war game is. You have these units, you move them around, they get flanking bonuses. Um, it's you know not especially subtle. You're, you have different types of troops, uh, which can have different effects. You have your buccaneers, and you have your cutthroats, and you can have native uh, allies and the like. And yeah, the, because you know the map does change around you, and I kind of liked sometimes, you know, being the one that it takes Panama for the Queen uh, of England or the King of England, depending on what the year was. And um, you can totally knock a faction out of the game, I which have, is yeah. you know the ultimate dream. It, it, yeah, the, 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 the poor Dutch. You know, they, <laughs> the Dutch always get screwed because um, they're like they start with like three colonies and never get much bigger than that. Um, so yeah, you can you can knock knock the Dutch. Sometimes they'll pop back with ships and try to take a city back, which is fun. But the Dutch and the French uh, generally get screwed. Um, and sort of this, I, I like playing the English because you can drive the Dutch and the French out of the Caribbean pretty easily, and the Spanish just have so much gold. But I I I wonder if. The, the issue with some of these mini-games is that when they stop you from feeling like a pirate, they just stop feeling... It, it makes the game cease to be really cohesive. Yeah. Because my favourites were the the swashbuckling, which is very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really just looking for tells, basically. Um, you know, if he's swinging his arm one way, jump, or actually, if you're quick enough, just get in there with a stab before he can actually bring his sword to bear. Um but I, I mean, the, the thing that I liked most about the swashbuckling stuff, the fencing game, was that 
it actually did make you feel like you were Errol Flynn completely, uh, where you're actually being quite tricky and using guile over like brute force. That was so um, hard in the original game. The sword fighting was quite difficult in the original game. It, it, it in the um, I can't remember what the highest difficulty was in in the new. Was it Swashbuckler or I can't remember. Um, but it got really difficult. Um, I, like especially near the end, whereas as Rob was mentioning before, when you become slightly more decrepit. Uh, and then obviously the, the ship combat, which I feel is the most, I guess, fleshed out mini game to the point where it doesn't feel like a mini yeah, game. Yeah, I, 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 I would not consider. I would consider that part of the core gameplay, not a mini. Yeah. Game. Uh, and and so that's when you're being a pirate, and those are the bits that I always was I was excited to participate in. But when it came to like the land battles, uh, I and and the stealth as well, I was always just. I was going through the motions and doing it because I wanted to have a full experience of the game. But if I if I went back and tried to play it now, I would avoid them entirely. I mean, to to what degree also? Like, I think with with the land battles, uh, to agree with the dancing, like, no game designer has ever loved the number pad as much as Sid Meier. Oh, like the the, num- <laughs> the number pad is his canvas. <laughs> Uh, upon which he paints his masterpieces and the problem is that like some of these things just feel so clunky like when i say it feels like calculator game like just the way your troops move move like i i learned to deal with squares in civilization but like it feels i don't know just it just feels awkward just the way units move on land in this game you're you're you know they, they move in these diagonals and you're playing everything with your with your number pad um it just feels like a really sort of crudely hacked together war game um, when my standards for that like had, had sort of already been shifted. Well, I mean, shit, like by the time the remake comes out, uh, Sid Meier's made Gettysburg. Um, he, he, there's, there's other ways to do, to do uh, to land combat uh, from, from Firaxis and, and from Sid Meier derived designs. Um, but like Pirates and the remake is faithful to this is very much one of those games where it's like, no, actually this entire game should be playable and actually preferable with a keyboard. See, if you think that using the the numpad is a bit awkward, uh, I take it you never tried it with the Wii. Whoa. (laughs) Because they they released it on the Wii. really? And with like gestures and all this crap. Motion control. Oh, you gotta tell. Did you play? Please tell, please us tell about me you this. can dance with the daughter. Like you just hold the Wiimote out in front of you and like yeah, sort of come it from behind and just sort of <laughs> just waltz it around the room. That would be preferable. Um, I I only played it for like five minutes or something on the Wii, and it was just like, why is this on this console using this controller? It was a nightmare. So it kind of it makes me feel like the controls of the PC version are a dream to be honest i've got to find the wii version of this I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there are like boxes and boxes of it to be found in like a cove somewhere i convince <laughs> my friend to let me use her wii and try this out because now i am absolutely um convinced this has to be done and maybe even <laughs> maybe even film for a patreon donations but yeah, um, you will hate yourself after doing it. But... I already hate myself. <laughs> I already you should definitely do it, is what we're saying. I already hate myself. <laughs> uh, 
but I, I think it's an interesting observation. Like anything that sort of stops you from feeling like a pirate. I think that's the other thing yeah. with, with the land combat to an extent is it doesn't feel particularly piratical. And, and it's an interesting thing because like, you know, if you read like the, uh, like the Aubrey Maturin novels and such, like, like actions on land can be really exciting. Like there's a ton of like famous admirals and captains through history who have these like, uh, sort of, you know, really, re- really dashing, like, um, you know, ship to shore engagements and, uh, you know, cat like storming forts, uh, coastal forts and stuff like that. Um, and I think in Sid Meier's Pirates, it feels more like a very traditional and very clunky, uh, war game uh to an extent it it feels a little bit like um okay so everything about pirates is is all about like uh you know you know quickness and speed and and maneuverability and in the land combat it feels like it's about bumping armies into each other and first of all like how do you even have like enough troops and like cavalry to 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 do that um but also it just feels like it's a complete tonal shift from how you've played the rest of the game, which is this like sneaky opportunist. And then you're playing this uh, land combat game where it just kind of feels like, um, you know, one of those old fashioned football games, right? Four yards in a cloud of dust um, where, <laughs> where your armies just sort of like line up and, and just start hammering away at each other. Right. Um, it just feels so different and so, sluggish compared to the rest of the fantasy the game spins for you. Yeah, it's, they, 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 it's, it's where Pirate becomes Privateer. It's where Blackbeard becomes, you know, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh or Captain Morgan, you know, taking cities as well as taking boats. Um, and I, I think it's much better at creating the fantasy of carefree life on the ocean than it is about captain of men. But, you know, as I said, you, know, you get older and you can afford to do that. It's The battles generally take too long uh, compared to the swashbuckling stuff and the sea battles don't take very long. Um, I think that's, an, and the stealth takes very long. I think that's why it takes, these things take you out of the game and that the land battles and the stealth sections just take freaking forever to complete compared to sword fights, compared to sea battles, compared to even ballroom dancing. Um... And there's not enough changing on the screen compared to sailing across the ocean where you can see the clouds drift by and all the ships and you can see the pirates uh, sailing around you. Um, The fact that these games are... They detach you from being a pirate because they detach you from the progress of time in a game that is really all about, as Fraser said at the beginning, the passage of time. I think maybe the secret message of the game is just don't grow old. Because that every you you know when you're when you've gotten to that point and so, you're so, so the message is Duke or whatever is be, 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 you're, be you're Peter, going be Peter Pan, in... not Captain Hook. Yes, maybe. <laughs> wow. When you're still freewheeling around and enjoying yourself instead of having to worry about taking over ports and uh, and things like that. So I want to go back, like just stepping back and looking at the game as a whole. Like I, I feel like, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not thinking of enough games right now. But I feel like the whole collection of mini games uh, thing doesn't really exist, or doesn't resist. It doesn't exist in like respectable strategy game discourse, right? Like 
I think on this show, but in general, like there's there's a bias towards games that are are sort of streamlined and and built around like a central uh, idea or two, uh, and everything sort of feeds back into that. And and Sid Meier's Pirates is very different in that it kind of um, spreads out and not always successfully, but it has like this the central theme, this idea of like you're a pirate uh, in you know in in the golden age of, of of piracy, but then it also says like well what if you could capture cities what if you could also be sneaking around those cities and like avoiding guards and doing the little robin hood action um and i don't think i like i can't name a lot of games certainly not like games that you could call strategy adjacent uh that that really behave that way these days right well i think because pirates is as much if not more an action game and in action games, you will see those mini games. In action games and RPGs, you'll see hacking mini games and Gwent and all of these other things. You know, not deep and not varied a lot of them, except for Gwent. But you'll see these things in the action genre, I think, and the RPG genre more than you will the strategy genre. So that's that's where these went. Uh, on the strategy side, you know, the, the mini games we get are called tactical battles. Um, we get you know the endless legend and the total war stuff, and that's pretty much all we have. We don't have different things to do, and I think a lot of that is because pirates doesn't cast you as a king or a general. You're a person, and action games and RPGs are about you being a person, you or a small group of people, or a party at the very most. Whereas most strategy games very very rarely will call you an individual. So it's not like you know. The king of an empire is going to have some minigame. But, you know, a knight in Defender of the Crown or a gangster in, you know, Mobs of Chicago, another cinemaware game, or a pirate in Sid Meier's Pirates, you can conceive of them building games around what this one person has to do, whereas you can't, I think, around what a kingdom has to do. So maybe these minigames have a place in, you know, business sims of a kind, uh, you know, have some so, so, so some late night drinking mini game or something. I don't know, uh, but somewhere where you're an individual pursuing a career. I think that's where they went. I think that's why they went to action and RPGs. That's my theory. The thing is, in in those RPGs, though, try and, and action games and things like that. Those those mini games are largely diversions. Yep. Whereas in pirates. It's a game of mini games. Yeah, I mean, mini, and that's mini, a very different thing. Mini games are so hard to do well. I mean, games of mini games. I mean, they they just that's kind of a dead genre. There were there were, but I mean, there's um, it's like WarioWare War, yeah, and stuff like that. WarioWare. There was a Cinemaware stuff, uh, some of which is getting remade, and we have Pirates and maybe and there was Three Stooges. I mean, Cinemaware did a lot of these. Uh, Three Stooges, which is a friend's one of my friend's favorite weird games. Um, it's, but yeah, I wonder why the idea of games as a collection of different things thematically united uh, that's kind of nowhere I mean maybe you can make the case for football manager where you know we're in other sports yeah. management sims where the tactics and then there's also the building of the game building of the team and there's budget and math uh, but that's really and I'm not saying these are exciting mini games, but that's really just parts of running a team. But um, yeah, and so I yeah, think I like, think to really get there, you'd have to have like um, 
like a draft day mini game where you've got yeah. <laughs> where you've got to like deal with the owner or something like to really to really yeah. make that analogy work because like or everything you just mentioned yeah, dancing with the owner <laughs> right like with yeah. everything you just mentioned Troy is like separate systems but they're still built around the heart of like yes. hey you're you're managing a football team yeah here's what that entails whereas right. like Sid Meier's Pirates is like all right time to go dancing put on your shoes <laughs> yeah, on your shoes exactly. Buttercup yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I a good question as to why these sorts of things don't exist. Probably because they are so hard to do well. Because Pirates is undoubtedly a great game. But we yeah. can say, look, the stealth game sucks. And the war game's kind of eh. And that leaves you yeah. with, you know, ballroom dancing. And also a couple of things like the sword fighting and the sailing stuff. Those are all really great and fun. Sword riding and sailing. Sword riding, fighting, and sailing. That's what we think about when we think about pirates. And then we have the ballroom dancing which is okay. I like it a lot. Some people don't. And the stealth and the land battles, which are kind of not great. So it's even a game with the, where the ones that are the least, I think, tied to being a pirate are the worst of them. So I think yeah. find, finding a good theme that connects, can connect more than two or three separate modes is really hard. And I wonder if it was released today or if uh, another remake was on the cards, if it would be as well received as the 87 and 2004 versions, because I'm not sure. I, I wonder if people would actually just find this collection of minigames to be a bit too shallow, especially if their previous experiences um, of Sid Meier's games were like Civilization. Um, and uh, I think that it might struggle to grip people in, in the same way the originals did. Uh, maybe because they're so... They're, it's not like a popular genre, the mini-game game. I mean, I mean, a world where pirates did not exist before and was released today, that's a good question as to what it would even look like. I mean, it, it might be released as, as, as a free-to-play game. Right. Oh, God. Or something but, like Starships, which was just not very good. I, but I think it, if it was released, but I think if like a new Pirates remake was released today, it could actually be very good. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine like somebody like uh, Jake Solomon or like Ed Beach or something like sort of looking at the things that worked from those previous editions and all right, well, what sucked? Let's let's deal with that this time. Like suddenly the stealth game is like sort of invisible ink inspired or something like that. Like there's the that's the interesting things is like there's there's enough here that works that mm -hmm. you could easily see the clunky parts being refined to to the game slowly becoming something very very special um the other thing that i find interesting is like it's it's a weird thing like i i it's 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 absolutely a game that's, that's greater than the sum of its parts and and i think this is maybe what gets a little bit lost when this when this type of game sort of falls out of fashion is that one of the reasons sid meyer's pirates ends up working so brilliantly and when i got into it like it sort of consumed my life for for a few weeks um is because it just feels it is such a light and breezy game. Mm -hmm. Like you are always doing something different. There's always something new to pursue. Like if you, and if, if you got a short attention span or you're a little distracted, like hey, that the game is right there for you, right? Like hey, what's that? What is that? A is that a is that a treasure ship? Is that is that a pirate? Hey, wait, doesn't this look a little bit like that map fragment you have? Hmm, maybe there's a treasure around here. And that feeling of a lot of games that are sort of built around one or two things 
can feel a little bit like a slog, right? Because that's yeah. that's the game. You're going to be doing the thing you were doing in the first couple hours. You're probably going to be doing it in the twentieth or thirtieth hour. Um, in pirates, it's like, well, you can always you can always mix it up. It can always turn into a very different game uh, very suddenly, and that is a cool and interesting feeling. It's also a really happy game. For some reason, I mean, the guy's always smiling when he's fighting, but it's just a game that's full of joy somehow. It's got a joyous design, well, he never a, kills, a joyous he? feel. He just knocks a guy into the ocean. In the original, the guy would kneel down in submission. There's not a lot of death beyond the people. I mean, yeah, you're, okay, you're firing grape shot when you're shooting at a ship, so people are going to die. Um, but yeah, this but is it's just not a like game. you're seeing them just get like ventilated by grape shot. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, if Creative Assembly did this, there would be a blood and gore DLC pack pretty quick i think uh but this is just a game that is just so happy um it is and it's nice to have games i think that are just unremittingly joyous uh and it's, it's about movies and about childhood pretend times um and i just love that feeling in a game it's more monkey island than black sail <laughs> yes yeah. In, in fact, your dude even kind of looks like uh, later versions of Guybrush Threepwood. Oh, he does. Um, he yeah. definitely does. But Always got that dopey grin, long yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah the, the, the little pompadoury type type hair. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that as, as we wind this down, what, what I find interesting, though, is like there are a lot of games that have taken liberally from Pirates. Like, no game has done sort of exactly what Pirates is doing. But, like, man, does Pirates have, like, a lot of design descendants uh, out there in the world. Like, to an extent, um, you know, Assassin's Creed Black Flag is just taking Pirates. Like, not just the setting, oh, but, yeah. like, some of the, you know, a lot of just the, the, the dynamic of the game is, is kind of borrowed from Pirates. With the happy addition of the open world system kind of makes that stealth stuff and, like, land action a, a little more exciting because uh, suddenly mm -hmm. you are this like awesome badass piratical ninja uh, who can go and like sneak into the fortress and, and get up to mischief uh, there's that new Warhammer uh, sailing game which god I just I just oh, wrote about Man of War yeah Man of War yeah, the, yeah uh, which it is, looks really interesting it's like I played it it's, it's pretty cool uh, but it is definitely trying to be like take the ship combat of Black Flag but then make that then wrap pirates around that uh basically like you're getting map fragments and you're having and and we're talking like original pirates not remake uh because like a lot of the things you you a lot of people you talk to you're you're sort of dealing with through text menu boxes and stuff like that um it's it's interesting to me that like while games like pirates that sort of occupy that space have, have, have kind of dried up um there definitely seems to be a little bit of a renaissance for games that are basically trying to ape pirates uh, in I, terms I of setting and things. I wonder if Sunless Sea, which is one of my favorite games oh, from last year, it kind of because it, it seems to owe a lot to pirates. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I mean it adds a lot more story, and it's not got as many kind of mini games, but it's certainly there's there's a and it's very different in tone. There's nothing light about that. But yeah, just going around exploring, doing a bit of trading, and just getting into little mini game battles. It feels very much like pirates. I did not even know about this Man of War game, but I am now yeah, going to pay attention to it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um, it's the Warhammer Fantasy universe uh, on the high seas. 
And um, it's... Can you it's, play a Skaven on ships? Not yet. Uh, but I think ultimately you... you I, I think that might actually be something they're working towards. Uh, right now there's a lot of like crappy orc ships, I think. And, right. Um, yeah, it's... But it's... But definitely you know, a lot of the thing you're doing is you'll get like an ambiguous sketch of where some treasure might be. And you just got to sail around until you see that vista. And you're like, ah, okay. here I am in the right zone for treasure. Uh, so it, we'll see how that evolves. But yeah, it's, it, it's, just a, it's just a funny thing to me is like pirates, I think, kind of created that. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe Elite predates it. Um, like I think Elite definitely does predate it, correct? Yeah, yeah, because Elite yeah. was pre eighty seven. Definitely was right. like eighty four or something. something but, like that. but I think Elite offers this. Like Elite is very much like okay, it's like a business sim in space, and you're running around, and you're you're sort of building your your business up. And then Pirates like offered this this other direction, which is no, like you're 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 Han Solo, you're you're Errol Flynn, and I think those those two those two tracks are are still with us today. Right, you know, you've got your you've got your hardcore like sim focused things like Elite, uh, like what the X series turned into, uh, maybe maybe like Port Royale uh, to an extent, but then you also have this like rich lineage of you know pirates, uh, privateer, uh, freelancer games like that, um, and that 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 core, you know, that that the core uh, dilemma of are you just a small player on a giant stage? Or are you the hero? Are you the swashbuckling hero of an action movie? Uh, that seems to be the dichotomy that's still with us today. And a, a lot of these games are where they maybe succeed, and where pirates kind of trips up is that they do manage to keep you in that fantasy of being this kind of space captain or pirate or whatever, but they don't take you kind of out of your ship. Uh, yes. I mean, yes. I guess Elite Dangerous kind of does it with Horizons, where you get onto planets, but you're still in a vehicle, essentially, and you're still driving, uh, just as you were flying before. Yeah, you're still uh, nobody. Yeah, and there's, you're still basically no faced with this mass in Elite. Yeah, and ultimately you can get blown out of the sky by just a random stranger, um, so you're not that important. Yeah. And I think that's that is an important part of sort of selling that that fantasy is like a, like those more simulation focused games. You're just kind of one actor among many, um, and the the universe isn't sort of meant to take much note of what you do, um, except insofar as maybe you move the market a little bit. Whereas the, a little more, percentage here and there, right, right. Whereas the the, the more pirates derived ones are all about, and you can see it taken too far too. Uh, where the, you know those games where like everyone in the universe seems to know your name or something to the point where you're like okay this is, this is starting to feel a little creepy, uh, but but I think Pirates does that very well this idea that like you have a reputation yep. um, that you you aren't just some ran you aren't Captain Rando out there uh, just like contributing your little minuscule amount to the to the market model, uh, but you are um, you know you are the pirate king eventually. Eventually, uh, but by then you'll be too old to enjoy it. Uh, anyway, uh, we will leave off our discussion of Sid Meier's Pirates for there. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. 
Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. This topic in particular is brought to you by our Patreon backers during our monthly topic vote. If you've been enjoying our show, please consider contributing at patreon.com slash 3MA and rate and review us on iTunes. Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of 3MA. Until then, for Troy and Fraser, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.